Now recording. Okay, so we're in a place in First uh, Kings twelve twenty four. First Kings twelve, so important for you to understand if you're going to understand the history of Israel, you got to understand chapter twelve of First Kings. We were in it a few weeks ago. Uh, Israel started off with remember twelve tribes. They were allotted. 12 different places in the, uh, in, the, in the land of Israel. They had t each tribe was allotted a different place under uh, Joshua after Joshua had brought the children of e um, Egypt in after being 40 years in the wilderness, uh, after they had been delivered from uh, Egypt. And in chapter 12, the kingdom is torn in two. The 12 tribes uh, uh, that are, are, are torn in two. Uh, two tribes stay in the south with Jerusalem, Judah. Um, and Jerusalem is, I guess you could call it the, the city in, in, in Judah. And then there's Benjamin. And then there's 10 tribes to the north. Why did that happen? Because of the sin of Solomon. Solomon, uh, we read, uh, after starting off so well, it says he loved God. It says uh, uh, God loved him. And, uh, but towards the end of his reign, it says he loved many foreign women who uh, drew him into worship of other gods. And he just drew the whole nation into that kind of idolatry. So Solomon had a worker. Solomon did a lot of building. And one of the, his, his managers was a guy by the name of Jeroboam. And a prophet came to this guy, Jeroboam, and said, because of the sin of Solomon, God's going to rip 10 tribes away from him, and he's going to give them to you, and you're going to be the king. And uh, Solomon caught wind of that tried to kill him, this guy Jeroboam, he flees to Egypt, he flees to Egypt, after Solomon dies, Jeroboam comes back, and Solomon's son, Rehoboam, it's not easy, I tell you, in Kings, you got Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and there's, sometimes there's really confusion with the names, but uh, Rehoboam uh, is confronted by Jeroboam and the children of Israel and said, hey, look, are you going to treat us like your fathers? Uh, Father Solomon treated us and tax us to, uh, to, to poverty. And uh, to make a long story short, he, uh, he uh, seeks counsel from uh, his, the, the elders of Israel who would uh, advise Solomon. And they said, listen, you need to be gentle with the people. And, and you need to serve them. And if you do, they'll serve you. Um, and then he went to his friends who he grew up with, and they said, no way, man. Tell, go tell them you're going to tax them 10 times harder than you were taxed. And so he went back to them and said, you know, uh, okay, so this is Rehoboam speaking to Jeroboam. We're going to tax you guys 10 times more than, we, uh, than my father did. They just left. They said, we're done with you. And they formed a different kingdom, which uh, from now on out, it's called Israel. And uh, Judah and uh, Benjamin are called Judah. Now, importantly, Judah and Israel and the line 
from, um, from Solomon to Rehoboam onward, that's the line of the Messiah. That is the apple of God's eye. Jeroboam and the ten tribes to the north, um, they are going to, uh, they're going to mess up. They'll never be a good king in, in, in the north. They're going to be around for about 250 years, king after king after king. Every one of them is evil. Whereas in the south, Judah, they're going to have about eight or nine good kings, including a couple superstars like Hezekiah and Josiah. Uh, but, uh, but that's what happened. That's where we left off uh, last week uh, or, or a few weeks ago in 1 Kings 12. And uh, let's pick up in verse 25. Please read with me. Then Jeroboam, remember now he's the king in the north, and there hadn't even been a war. Uh, initially, uh, when the ten tribes left, Rehoboam mustered all the men, let's go to war, but then a prophet told him, no, no, you turn back, this is from God. And he actually did. So there was more or less, there was, there, there was not a, a civil war. It was um, uh, the, the, the ten tribes just went to the north. So from now on out, in First Kings and Second Kings, it's, it's going to be what can be kind of confusing. They go, the narrative goes from the north kingdom to the southern kingdom to the north kingdom to the southern kingdoms. There's some funky names along the way. But the first king is a guy by the name of Jeroboam. In verse 25, it says, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. Also, he went out from there and built Penuel. Verse 26, And Jeroboam said in his heart, When you read that in the Bible, that's a, that should be a red flag to you because Proverbs 28, 26, uh, 28, uh, 36 rather says, anyone who trusts or listens to his heart is a fool. <laughs> Keep that in mind, Calvary Chapel. That's what the Bible says. The man or woman who trusts in their heart is a fool. He said in his heart, well, now the kingdom may return to the house of David, meaning my 10 tribes up here in the north, you know, they're going to, they're going to, um, after a while, they're probably going to want to give up on me because, uh, and they're going to want to, thank you, they're going to want to go back to Jerusalem. The reason he was, he was paranoid was because the Bible said three times a year, every man 18 years and older who was a Jew had to do what? Someone shout it out go to Jerusalem to a feast three times a year. And so this guy, Jeroboam, who's the new king in the north, if I let them do that, they're going to be wooed back to the house of David or Rehoboam, you know, the line of David. And I can't let them do that. And so what he goes on to do are just some incredibly foolish things. Um, Again, he says, the kingdom may return to David. Verse 27, if these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of the man is a snare. snare. 
And, and every day, every hour, we are subject to fear, the fear of man. And so he's, 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 he, he, he's fearful that if he just lets things be as the Bible has commanded them to be, that every one of the uh, Jews of the um, 12 tribes is supposed to go to Jerusalem three times a year. Eventually, they're just going to depart from Jeroboam. And, and, and then he says, therefore, the king asked advice and made two calves of gold and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, which was at the very north part of, the, uh, of Israel, uh, rather, was towards the southern part of Israel, and he set the other one up, verse 29, in Dan, which is at the very north part of Israel. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. Now, you might have thought that the Israelites would have learned that someone would have said, hey, wait a second. Didn't this guy Aaron, the high priest, a long time ago ask us to do the same thing? And how did that end? If you guys remember in Exodus 32, Moses went up to the mountain to meet God and the Israelites, uh, he took a long time uh, because I think he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He took a long time. And they're like, where's this guy Moses? Uh, you know, and and they demanded of Aaron, hey, uh, make us a God. So Aaron commanded them to take off all their uh, gold earrings and stuff like that and made a golden calf. And, and interestingly, uh, they said, they said when, when they made the golden calf, they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And as you know, that ended really, really badly. God judged Israel for that. Thousands were put to death, really, by the Lord uh, for doing that. You would have thought someone would have said, hey, wait, haven't we seen this before? Um, haven't we seen this situation before? But no, and, and that's why it's, it's so important to know the word of God. If you know the word of God, those alarm bells will go off. Hey, wait a second. Isn't there something in the Bible against this? Should I really be doing this? Um, and so now the thing that is probably important for you to understand, they were still at the time uh, at least in their own minds, worshiping Yahweh, the God of Israel. It was just that they put up calves. And same thing with, same thing with Aaron and the calf. It was, they, they put up an image, which violates, by the way, what, 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 what uh, commandment does this violate? Making a golden calf and bowing down to it. Uh, what, what was that? Which, which, which commandment? One through ten. Which one? Number two. Do not fashion. The, the commandment number one is have no gods before you. Number two, uh, have no other gods before me. Number two is you don't fashion something in the form of a god and then bow down to it. 
which by the way, in 2021 is just money, it's mammon. But, but, um, um, uh, but that's what they did here. They're violating the second commandment. And so surely this is going to have a bad end. So he makes these two calves and he says, you don't look at it. It's too hard to go down to, um, to uh, Jerusalem. Stay here up north. I'll, I'll make everything okay for you so, so things will work out okay for you. And um, he makes these two calves. And then what he proceeds to do, these are like cra- verses 31 through 33 are some crazy verses. He just makes his own religion. Uh, in verse 31, he made shrines on the high places. He made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. If you remember, only Levites, the sons of Levi, were to be the priests in Israel. But um, he, he just did away with that. Because why? Because he, he, he knew the Levites were not going to go along with these two calves. And then we, in, in the book of Chronicles, we find that a lot of these priests in the northern ten tribes, they said, this guy is crazy. And they actually went down and resettled in the land of Judah. Verse 32, Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the eighth month, like the feast that was in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. So he just made his own feast too. He's just making up his own religion. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel, he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month in the, in the month which he had devised in his own heart. You can just go out and... and, and and, and don't think men are not above this. They've been doing this for 3,000 years. They're still doing it today. Men just devising in their own hearts. Well, you know, God wants us to, to, to do this. And, and, and just coming up with things which are totally not scriptural and, and just but, but basically saying, well, this is from God. But it was not from God. And, and so uh, he... or. It, It says he devised them in his own heart and he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. So this Jeroboam is gonna, he's a hall of shame guy in the Bible. There's a hall of fame in Hebrews 11, people of faith. Jeroboam is a hall of shame because we're gonna be reading about him for the rest of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. Um, Every king in the north it, it's going to say of them at the time they uh, at the time that they lived they followed in the sin of Jeroboam, and it was a really really wicked thing to do at the time. The Lord had decided there was one place to that He would put His name. It was Jerusalem. They may have many faults down there in Jerusalem, but that's where I put my name. In fact, He was over the the mercy seat. And his very presence was there. That's what he chose. But Jeroboam gave in to fear that he would lose a kingdom. Even though, if you remember from last time, a few weeks ago, in chapter 11, God had promised him, 
in chapter 11, through another prophet, he had promised Jeroboam, I will take the kingdom of God, uh, rather, I will take the kingdom out of Solomon's hands and give it to you. He told him that. That was a promise. And, and what happens? It says, it says that in verse 26, he said in his heart, he listened to his heart. He gave in to the fear of man. And, you know, it's, it's really easy for this to happen in many different contexts, including, by the way, churches. A pastor has a, a church with, with a bunch of people. And, he's, and all of a sudden, you know, they, they got to be getting bored with just the work of God chapter by chapter, verse by verse. After all, I've been doing this for 15 years. I think we should start having laser lights on, on, on Sunday morning. I think we should start having smoke, um, you know, come up from, uh, you know, on the worship stage. And, and, and I think, you know, uh, actually, when I got, to, when I returned to Boston in 1996, the very end of 1996, they were, um, the Holy Laughter Movement was, was um, in, in certain churches in Boston. I know the church very well. There's a person in our church who used to go to the church uh, that, that was, the pastor said, you know, we, we got to keep interesting. We got to keep excitement. We got to keep experiencing. Uh, I, 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 we got to have um, an experience that blows people away. And at the time, there was this movement. It's called the Holy Laughter Movement where, um, People would just begin hysterically laughing, and then it would—it was encouraged by the pastors, and it would spread throughout. And it was—they called it a movement of the Holy Spirit. And what it did—it weakened churches. It split this one church that 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 we know about. And um, but it's all what—it's the fear of man. We we can't have this boring thing, you know, ch chapter by chapter through the Bible. You know, people will lose interest. No, they won't. If someone has the Holy Spirit, they have a hunger and thirst for the Word of God. And, and, uh, and it's, but, but let me tell you, I'm not above it. And um, that, that's why I'm in prayer every day. Just the, just the, the, the fear, the, the fear um, of man is a snare. The thing to do when you get into any situation like that, like this, where, where, um, you know, you're starting to, to, to question things and say, well, maybe I should do this and that. And you got to take a step back and say, okay, God's called me. He's called me here. And he's been really specific what I'm supposed to be doing. And this other thing that I'm thinking about, that's goofy. I'm not going to do that. You just take a step back or, or go to some godly friends and say, hey, look, you know, what do you think about this? It, uh, it, it's safety in the multitude of, uh, of counselors. Um, but, you know, last Sunday we were in Mark 8, 34, which says what? It says, Jesus says, anyone who desires to come after me must take up his cross and follow me. And, but the problem is, is after a while, it starts, it starts getting a little hard and it's like, oh, wait a second now. Um, this was a lot harder than I thought it would be. I, I didn't buy, um, buy this. And, 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 and we start veering away from what God has specifically instructed us to do. Veering away from obedience. Again, why am I bringing this up? 
God had told Jeroboam. He was so clear with him in chapter 11. He says, I will take the kingdom of Solomon and, uh, uh, out of his hand, 10 tribes, and give it to you. And, um, and he says, I will take you and you shall reign over all your heart desires and you shall be king over Israel. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways, do what is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house. God had told this guy that. He had told him that. But, but no, fear of man is a snare, Calvary Chapel. And we ever got to be going before the Lord and, and presenting ourselves to, um, to the Lord uh, uh, about, about whether or not we are, we are following in obedience or we are just giving in to fear and giving, going off to the left um, or to the right. Okay, chapter 13, one of the, truly one of the strangest chapters in the Bible, but I love it. Um, I love this chapter. It is, it's a strange chapter, but I think there's such important lessons here. Um, if you've never uh, read 1 Kings 13, you better buckle your seatbelt so that if there's any seatbelts in there, uh, some, some, some strange things happen. So God is not just going to look on and do nothing. He sends a prophet in chapter 13 up to the northern 10 tribes to get in Jeroboam's face and say, you are wrong. And, 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 and look, thank God for friends who come to you and get your face and tell you what you're doing is wrong. Uh, uh, but he didn't thank God for him. Let's, let's see what happened here. Verse 31. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. So the Lord knew what was going on, these golden calves, and he sends a man of God up there and says, look it, you, you got to confront Jeroboam. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. So that's, that's like Jeroboam. What is Jeroboam, a king, doing besides the altar burning incense? He's got no business doing that. He's a king. Remember, it was just the priests, Levites, who burned incense at the altar. So he's burning incense. He's pretending to be a, a priest. Crazy, the things that we will do when we follow our flesh. There, there's just no limit what we will do if we just start following, sniffing at our flesh and then just running after it. Verse 2. So this man of God cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, O altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child Josiah by, the, by name shall be born to the house of David and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you and men's bones shall be burned on you. <laughs> okay, what in the world is that? It's a prophecy that was literally fulfilled almost 300 years later when one of those really godly kings, his name was Josiah. There's a great revival during Josiah's time and he actually went up to the Northern 10 kingdoms. He gathered the bones of all the priests that had allowed these terrible things to take place, worshiping calves. He took their bones, 
their 300-year-old bones and burn them on the altar. And, and we'll read about this um, in 2 Kings. It happens 290 years later, um, but God actually gave this guy Josiah's name. And so you can imagine when it happened uh, 290 years later, the, the fear that that must have put in people, like, wow, what the Lord said, he does. Verse three, the second thing this man of God, this prophet um, says to, um, to Jeroboam, it says, and he gave a sign the same day. This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So keep in mind, there's, there's, there's an altar where they're, they're doing these phony, fake, non-biblical sacrifices. That's what they're doing on this altar. Um, and, uh, and so this prophet just shows up from God saying, this thing right there that you're doing, this bad thing, this altar's going to be cut in two and all the ashes are going to go all over the place. It's going to go up in smoke. Verse four, so it came to pass when Je King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, arrest him. That's not... That's not what you do to repent. It is not repentance. <laughs> he, 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 wants to, he's, he wants to kill this dude. So arrest this man. It, you know, his pride obviously raised up. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, the prophet, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. The altar also was split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. You can just imagine how freaked out the king is. His hand has been withered. That means it's shrinked up and he can't use it. The exact same thing the prophet said was going to happen immediately happens right before him. So verse 6 says, Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Then the king said to the man of God, Let, you know, before we, before we go on here, he doesn't repent. In fact, if you go to the very last verse of the chapter, it says this thing, meaning the two um, golden calves, was the sin of the house of Jeroboam so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. He doesn't repent. And when you may look at this and say, oh, oh, it looks like he's repenting. And, you know, I'm trying to, for those of you who are um, part of scriptural memory night, and I hope, I, I hope uh, if you weren't there, you'll, you'll be at it the next time. I'm trying to, to, to memorize the, the passion from the time that Jesus... Um, is, comes to Gethsemane to the time he gives up his breath. And I'm right at the place with, with Judas. And it says of Judas, it says when he saw that Jesus was condemned, he was remorseful. The King James, actually, it means repent. The King James says he repented. It says that about Judas. He repented. But in the wrong way. Exactly, in the wrong way. 
Because what did he do when he repented? He repented, and it says he took the 30 pieces of silver and he went to the chief priests and the elders and uh, saying, I have sinned against innocent blood. Because, no, I, I have sinned because I have betrayed innocent blood. And you know what they said to him, by the way? They said, what's that to us? You see to it. That's how the devil is, by the way. The devil will, oh man, he will be your best friend to lure you, lure you into sin. Oh, he'll be your best friend. Oh, wow, he'll be your friend. But then as soon as you're miserable, you go back to him, you see to it. It's nothing to do with me. Whereas when Peter basically did the same thing as Judas in some way, in many ways, there's a good argument. When he went back to Jesus, he was welcomed with open arms. What was the problem though with Judas? Uh, Martha said he repented in the wrong way. He didn't go to God. He went to the, to, to the chief priest. There's not a mention of him going back to God. You can repent. You can be remorseful. And, and, and about, about the mess you've created for yourself. But really, it has nothing to do with God. Notice what he says to the guy. And, and please entreat the favor of the Lord your God. What does that mean? I thought he was your God. What do you mean the Lord your God? So he doesn't go back to the Lord. And even though God's loving him here, he's giving him an opportunity to repent and he doesn't do it. Okay, so now here's the really interesting story. You guys ready? Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go in with you. I love this, by the way. This guy's bold. This dude is bold. Uh, he's just telling this to this rebel king. If you were to give me half of your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded by the word of the Lord, saying, you shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. So the Lord said, look, you need to go up there, rebuke the king, and then come right back and don't eat anything or even drink anything. That's what the Lord had told this guy, this prophet. Use mightily of the Lord, this guy. So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Now, an old prophet dwelt in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and he rode on it. And he went after that man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And then he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place for I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. Verse 18. 
The, the, this is what the old prophet says to the young prophet. He said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. So he went back with him and he ate bread in his house and drank water. Now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. So this is the old prophet now. And the old prophet cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Meaning you're going to die before you even get home. I, I, I told you this was strange. It's going to get stranger. But So the old prophet goes to him, lies to him, and says, oh yeah, God told me you're supposed to come home and eat. So I know he may have told you before that you weren't supposed to eat or drink, but I'm telling you, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm a prophet too, and you are, you're supposed to come to him. He was lying. But then the Lord actually speaks through the old prophet, a real prophecy, saying, prophesy to this guy you just lied to and say, you disobeyed the word of the Lord, you're going to die. I love the Old Testament. <laughs> okay. Verse 23. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that, that he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had gone back when he had gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him, and his corpse was thrown on the road, and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. So obviously something incredibly supernatural is going on, because the lion is standing by the corpse and not eating it. The donkey is standing by the corpse, and the lion's not eating that the lion's not eating the donkey, and the donkey's not running away. So this is clearly, this is all, this is the Lord doing something here. Verse 25, And there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road, and the lion standing by the corpse. Uh, then they went and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Now when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, it is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. And he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled it. Then he went and found his corpse thrown on the road. Now, this, this old prophet appears to really be remorseful because he just goes right up, gets the corpse right in front of his lion and just doesn't care. And, 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 and gives the guy a decent burial. He says he took, verse 29, he took the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, brought it back, so the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. Then he laid the corpse in his own tomb. So the old prophet buries this guy in his own tomb. And they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. So it was after he had buried him, 
that he spoke to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the tomb, tomb rather, where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones, for the saying which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines of the high places which are in the city of Samaria will surely come to pass. And after this event, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but again he made priests from every class of people for the high places, whoever wished. He consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing was the sin of the house of Jeroboam, so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. Okay, let's talk about this. Um... I just think there's a lot to learn from this story. First and foremost, Calvary Chapel, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. Just because someone comes to you and says, oh, you know, God told me this about you, doesn't mean it's true. Just because someone says, comes to you and says, oh, you know, the Lord told me this thing about this other thing doesn't mean it's true. There's actually a lot in the Bible, and, and, and there's so much abuse in, in, in the body of Christ. You know, the Lord told me this. The Lord told me this. The Lord, and, and, and I'm sorry, and, and I know certain people have big issues when I say this, but what about I believe the Lord told me? I mean, What's wrong with saying that? <laughs> you know? There's a commandment in the Bible. Do not use the Lord, the name of the Lord your God in vain. That's not only saying, using his name in vain as a curse word. It's, it's saying that the Lord told you something when he really didn't tell you. It's you're, you're listening to your heart. Now the single, singles group is, is meeting. And... Uh, I understand it was a great time on, 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 on Friday night, but frequently with singles, men and women. But God told me that I'm supposed to marry this woman. The problem is whenever your heart, whenever it's a heart issue, don't trust your heart. <laughs> you know, be, or, or, or be very careful rather. And, and, and I don't know how many stories there are of a guy going to a girl, no, God told me you're the one, or a girl telling a guy, God told me, what, okay, well, he needs to tell me. Doesn't he need to tell me? He's told you. And, and, but I don't want to make too much light of this because um, this is just a really, really serious thing in the body of Christ. And there's, there's, there's quite a bit of scripture about this. 1 John 4, 1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Just because someone's telling you God said this or that, it's, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. How do you test the spirit? You seek the Lord yourself. You go to other godly people and say, hey, look, this is what I'm hearing. There's ways to test the spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, as well, a, a, an important verse says the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Someone gets up and said, thus says the Lord, God told me this. 
Well, people with prophetic gifts, and by the way, we have them in our church, they'll know. <laughs> they will know, or at least there'll be a consensus um, of whether uh, or not it's true. First Thessalonians, there's quite a few verses about this. Why? Because there's so much abuse. So First Thessalonians, where am I here? says just simply, test all things and hold fast to what is good. Test them. Just because someone tells you something's, something's true or something's um, God doesn't mean it's true. I think it's First John who also says many false prophets have gone out there. There's lots of spirits. And last year, I just convinced there's been just spirits, lying spirits, creating divisions within the body of Christ. And... Um, you know, it goes beyond someone who just says, thus says the Lord. It, there's just, listen, when someone tells you, uh, when, when someone tells you something, for example, about another person, don't just believe it. Assume that it's not true if it's a bad thing. Uh, you know, we're, the, the, the men and the women are reading a book by Charles Finney, and when Charles Finney was uh, around, he, he led what many consider just the greatest revival, um, some say, in the history of the world. And, and, and it was not only people getting converted, it was entire communities reforming. In other words, they repented, and things like bars closed down, and the police didn't have anything to do. And one of the, but he has many, many critics, and, and the problem is, his problem, the reason he has many critics, to this day he has many critics, is because he went from city to city, and many of the cities, the churches were hyper-Calvinistic, meaning, meaning they, um, um, part of Calvinism, if you're not familiar with Calvinism, they don't believe in free will. They believe God is behind every movement, every decision, and, 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 and they don't believe in free will. And, and, there's a lot of Calvinists out there, and some of them, um, by the way, I have a lot. I do have a lot of respect for. But you get into a lot of trouble when you start criticizing Calvinists. And one of the reasons I don't, uh, I, I'm not a Calvinist myself or, or teach it is number one, I don't agree with their theology. But number two, they're so mean. Uh, it was incredible how mean they can be. And just last night, I was just reading this Calvinist because 200 years later, they're still so upset at what happened with Finney um, that they're still writing articles about this guy and they're just writing things in this article which were 100% false and I know this because I've read everything there is about not, not everything but so much about this guy but they're just plain old false and so but you know you get something in you get something in writing so it's oh wow he did that he said that he believed that listen don't just believe anything you hear. Test it. The Bible says love believes all things. And, and, and you never just assume that, um, it never just assume that, that some bad thing you're hearing about someone is true. Go to the Lord with it. I just read just one of the best books I've ever read in my, in my life. Um, Dennis Harris is now talking with John Egan. What are you guys talking about? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Dennis Harris has read it too. It's called Contentment. I read it with my daughter, Faith. Oh, Jasmine. Jasmine, have you finished it? Oh, man. Jasmine was reading it too. 
But this thing is so good. Written by a guy in the 1600s when, when preachers were getting burned and, and things like this. And, and, you know, one of the things this guy brings out in his book, listen, if there's, if you hear something about someone and there's nine really good reasons of why it's true, but there's one that's, that's like, you know, it may not be true. Love means assuming that one reason is true about it. Love believes all things. That's what love does. And, and, and so, um, uh, uh, and, and so this really intense story with this young man of God being fooled by an older man of God the, the poor young guy sees the guy's white hair and he's like, oh, he has more experience than me. Apparently he heard from God. Listen, God never changes his mind. He never changes his mind. He never goes against his word. I mean, there, there, there's someone I've been talking to and, 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 and there's lots of different issues in their life, serious sin issues. Um, and and I, I have been trying to convince them that, look, that your kind of behavior that you're doing right now is indicative that maybe you are not saved. There's, I could just, plenty of Bible verses here, but if someone just continues on and on and on in the path of sin, they need to, it says examine yourself whether you're in the faith, it says in 2 Corinthians. And, and the person's response to me is, but, but no, but the Lord gave me this vision. The Lord gave me this word. Well, the problem with that is you're lifting your own experience above the word of God. In one of the most extraordinary verses in the Bible, it's 2 Peter, um, it's 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter says, talks about the time where he, John and James, saw G Jesus transfigured on a mountain. You guys remember that? Jesus goes up his, 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 um, on the mountain. He's with, all, all of a sudden, he's with Elijah and, 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 and Moses, and his, his uh, clothes turn into, they become white like lightning. And Peter talks about it in 2 Peter chapter 1. He said, we, we heard this. But then he says the most astonishing thing, and I'm reading now the King James Version um, in verse 19 of 2 Peter. He says, but we have the more sure word of prophecy confirmed. You realize what he just said? He said, I trust more in the prophets. I, I rest my faith, faith more on what the prophets said than what I saw in person. That's what Peter is saying. That is amazing. The word of God is what we must test all things by. The word of God. And this, this guy, this young man, um, had had given uh, this 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 word had been given this word by God. Don't eat anything. Don't drink anything until you go up there and get back to Judah. And he believed a lie. He believed a lie. You know, I I, I think that um, you know you wonder why 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 did this happen. This kind of reminds me of, like, why is this included in the Bible? It just seems crazy. It seems unfair. Um, it, it seems crazy, but um, I, 
You know, Paul says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Sometimes we, sometimes we, in, in 2021 in the United States of America, we slip into a real shallow faith as if there's really never going to be consequences because it's grace, 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 grace. But you know something? It is grace, 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 but, but God's holy. And when you're Moses, for example, and just with the benefit that he had, seeing God face to face and the privilege of leading the people out of the Israel when he struck the rock, when God told him to speak the rock, not struck the rock, the Lord said, sorry, you got angry before me, before the people, you misrepresented me. You're not gonna go into the promised land. It's, it, it, it's a serious thing. The Bible says in the book of James, not all of you should become teacher because they are subject to a stricter judgment. Listen, when you've been given the privilege of going with a word of the Lord up to Jeroboam and trying to save that kingdom, that is an indescribable privilege. And, and when you've been told just specifically how to do it and you don't, there's going to be consequences. Now, are we going to see this guy in heaven? Louis, are we going to see this guy in heaven? Of course we are. He's called a man of God throughout the time. <laughs> we were having a, who was that we were talking about? Whether Saul is, we're going to see Saul in heaven or Solomon, no Solomon. Um, that one is debatable. This guy, absolutely no question that this guy is going to be in heaven with us. But let me tell you, the, the, the more you grow in the Lord, you're, you're accountable to the, the knowledge and blessing that the Lord has poured over um, your life. There's things that I did when the first few years I was a Christian, man, if I did them today, oh, oh man, it, oh, there would be some pain. <laughs> and and um, But I also think the reason it's included here is really to, um, to show God's heart for Israel, the 10 tribes in the north, that he really did love them. He loved them so much he would send Elijah. Elijah, almost his whole ministry was to the northern kingdom, who never repented. Can you imagine that? Elijah, the most famous prophet in the Old Testament, was completely unsuccessful from a worldly point of view. Because all he did was go to Ahab and those kings up there and rebuke them. They never repented. Uh, and so that part of his ministry was unsuccessful. But God showing his heart, really drawing attention to this problem in the north. And then what does the old prophet say? Um, he says in verse 32, he says, when I die, verse 31, 32, when I die, I'm gonna, I want myself buried in the tomb with this man because the saying which he cried out by the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines of the high places which are in the seas of Samaria will surely come to pass. Remember, this was known at the time these facts were known at the time. People heard about the story. They heard about the young prophet and what happened to him. And they would have heard about this old, old man's prophecy that, look, 
This guy was a man of God. Look what happened. Look how serious God is about your sin. He's trying to get the attention of the people in the northern kingdoms. He's trying to get them to repent, and they didn't. It says that Jeroboam, um, it says here that Jeroboam, in verse 34, he didn't, he didn't repent um, ever. And so um, that would be the cause of his destruction. This is, this is heavy stuff, and that's what, why I love the, the, the Old Testament. I, I, I also love the New Covenant and that, that we're in it, by the way, and that we can look to Jesus every day and, 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 and ask for the blood of Jesus to, to cleanse us. It says if we walk in the light, meaning if we come out of darkness into the light, we will have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. And, and that's one of the things that I, I want for you and me and anyone hearing this to really happen when we read this chapter. Develop a healthy fear of God. He's serious about your calling. He's filled with grace, but he's serious about it. And, and um, he's serious about his holiness. And, and he's an awesome God, and he knows what he's doing. Let's take the last 10 minutes to, um, to pray uh, kind of miss doing this. We don't, we, this is, I think, God had us in Zoom for a while, but um, I, I think he created us to be praying with each other in, in, in person. Um, and so, if you can just divide up in little groups of three and four. Dennis, are you able to come up here and play something? Or someone's gonna pray. play? Freddie, you're gonna pray, play? You were told to? Well, well what, is he, what, he was told, what did God tell you? Is he, is he like the old prophet? Right? <laughs> That's right, here's the young guy. So Freddie, Freddie's gonna pray, and if we could just divide up into the groups of, of, of three and four. Um, and when you get into these groups, just what, I, what we like doing in these prayer times is just pray directly to the Lord. For example, Lord, please, I don't trust my own heart. Would you please, please just help me listen to your voice? Or praying that, um, or, or praying, <laughs> just hold on for one second before you have all your fun. Wait, wait one second, pray. I just, or, or the other thing, just to, to really pray that your life does not misrepresent God and that you, that he gives you a fear of God. We so desperately need a fear of the Lord. Pray, say, Lord, I need a holy fear, a fear of you. Thank you for showing us tonight how important it is to fear you, Lord. So I'm going to say a short prayer and then release you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this word tonight. Would you lead us by your spirit just these closing moments, this last ten minutes as as, uh, as the groups and each person in the group just just praise out to you, Lord. We just thank you for your protection of us in Jesus' name.